0: Welcome to the Somos Padres podcast.
1: At Somos Padres, we believe that change is inevitable and evolution is a choice. And being a better parent is directly tied to our ability to turn our lens inward.
0: So thank you for being here and allowing us to be part of your parenting evolution.
1: Que viva la evolución. Let's get started.
0: Welcome, everybody. Welcome. We are back. Yes. After two months.
1: Yes. It's been two months since we've been on the mics and released an episode, but it's for a really great reason.
0: Yes. Very good reason. And uh, for us, I will say it's all about like vib- vibration. Yeah. Energy. Mm-hmm. And whenever you feel this, like um, we're ready to take the next step.
1: Right. Right. So at the end of uh you know just to bring everybody up to speed and and also I mean this is going to be all we talk about this episode right um, we took this long extended break because Paolo's dad who many of you who've been with us for a while will know that um, he passed away uh, a month ago to this day
0: January January eleventh
1: yes. And uh, towards the end of the year is when he took a turn and we we all knew that we were entering this last... Um, phase. Yeah, this last phase with him. And so we just, you know, the entire family um, spending a lot of time with him and, you know, just... Taking it in and being there for each other and, and just going through this together.
0: Yes, we we're trying to be uh, there for each other uh, and be there for my mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, because these moments, even though uh, we were all expecting it, death is so, always comes as a surprise. Yeah. 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 Even when you know a person is just slowly like coming down to that moment... It's always surprising.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we, you know, were with your dad, you know, at the end. And you were helping out as much as you could, taking care of him. Everybody, everybody was just um, taking care of him and your mom and and everything.
0: Yeah, for uh, 11 months, we were all, like, um, taking turns to take care of my dad. Obviously, my brothers that live in Lindsay, California... They took the the biggest, like... Um,
1: Weight on their shoulders. Yeah, the biggest
0: yeah. load on them, and I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know if, uh, if our listeners know, we really don't have any relatives here in Southern California.
1: Yeah, we live in LA by ourselves. Yeah,
0: we live here in Glendale by ourselves. <laughs> like no.
1: biology, biological family. Yeah,
0: th- we don't have any cousins, any aunts or uncles, uh, n- nobody. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, all of our family is in the Central Valley. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, so yeah, your family, it was, it was beautiful to watch Um, you guys go through this together so wonderfully and supporting each other. And um, it was, I don't know, it was the first time for me, at least, that I really lost someone that I just really knew, really cared for, was really close to. Like, I, you know, I, I, yes, I've lost my most of my grandparents, but we were not, you know, I was not attached to them. Like, you were not that a, close. Yeah, we were not that close. It wasn't like, oh my God, every Sunday was with them or something like mm-hmm. that. No, um, I, w- I wouldn't really see my grandparents a lot. So there wasn't that same feeling of closeness. This, was, this really was, for me, the first time I lost someone that I just really loved.
0: Yeah, and uh, for me, uh, it was it's almost two years ago that we lost like our grandfather mm-hmm. from the side of my dad and it was it was a painful experience but th- at the same time my grandfather lived a full life yeah he was 93. he was like yeah like 93 when, when he passed away um and we knew that he lived a fulfilled life mm-hmm. and it inform uh, to all of us it touched us mm-hmm. but at the end, it's like, thank you, uh, Grandpa, for all the memories we created. We created with you mm-hmm. because they, they they last for a lifetime, and you know that he lived a full life mm-hmm. to the last minute, right? All the way to the last minute. Your grandfather, my grandfather, yeah. Mm-hmm. And now my dad got sick like um, uh, last year on my birthday. Guess what? Oh, yeah, he had the surgery uh, surgery last year on my birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which uh, is in February, February seventeenth, um, and since then, this gradual like uh, process of life and taking care of him took place. Mm-hmm. It's just like it was just a really complex, a complexity of emotions and feelings, and one of the things that was like what's hard on me was like using my mom how ah, she struggled like every like every month i would visit her like twice a month once a month um twice a month when uh, wherever i could we could actually and uh and it was like oh my god yeah this is we we don't know when or what time but my my dad at the beginning was doing good hmm Yeah, he was doing good. All the way through the summer, actually.
1: Yeah, it wasn't until this, the end, you know, the holidays. So after, th- I I think even Thanksgiving, he was they, even
0: Thanksgiving, really he, great. He, he came out great. and
1: he was sitting with us for Thanksgiving dinner. Yes. It was really good.
0: Yeah, but then uh, it, it comes December, mm-hmm. and he slowly starts uh, his health started, started deteriorating. Yeah. And um, I just, like... I, Really big moment for me was, like, my dad was in, in in a room confined to a bed. And uh Christmas Eve, I was like, you know what, Dad? Let me put you on the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's just take a stroll here in the living room throughout the house. <laughs> 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 and even my brothers were just laughing because mm-hmm. my, my dad was telling me, mijito," and because I was mm-hmm. like, come on, Dad. We just need to move around. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was just, like... Yeah, like pushing him in the, in his wheelchair, and that's a great memory I'm, I'm taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of the last ones.
1: Yeah, he initially didn't want to.
0: No, he initially didn't want to. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then that's why he was like, "Ay,
0: mijito." Yeah, he was like, "Ay, mijito," <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, my Dad, it's just like it's 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 not really uh it's I'm doing it for you, but it's also for me."
1: Mm-hmm. And because, then afterwards, he was just like, oh, because, yeah, he wanted to take more Because stress. I really
0: don't... Nobody <laughs> knew, like, what time my daddy's going to be, like, stop talking or stop, like, actually getting up from the bed. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't know when that time will come. Yeah. You just, like, take a date at a time. Mm-hmm. A date at a time.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, um, was that the... That wasn't the last time, though. No, that, that was the last time. That you took care of him.
0: No, it was, like... Um, it was for the New Year's.
1: Yeah. Like, the beginning of January. We stayed. Yeah. We came back. We we came back to L.A. for a few days after Christmas and then um, went back for New Year's.
0: But one of the things that you need to um, know about us, listeners, is, like, we came back, like, here to Southern California, to Glendale. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're introverts. hmm Yesenia and I, we're introverts. So we need to find a space for us to recharge. Mm-hmm. So we're like, we know we're coming for New Year's, but we just need to take a like a breathing moment. <laughs> yeah. Come here, recharge, and let's and go, go back. back. Because we have to be ourselves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And over there, you obviously like with if you knew my family, every day we can actually get together and continue the conversation.
1: Yeah. Every day.
0: Every day. And <laughs> not used to like uh like ten PM. No, we take it to one, two, two three. three. This yeah uh, chatting it, away, chatting away, and then this time we just took it to another another level. Four four a.m. <laughs> I know,
1: and I, I mean, I think what was interesting during this experience was that it was happening at the end of the year and the beginning of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. So it felt we were very out of touch. It's very interesting, right? You lose touch of what's going on on social media what's going on in the world and even when i would check my instagram for example it was so much about like setting intentions and goals and all these things but it was so hard to even really think about that because it was like you know people were jumping off you know oh 2020 all of this you know new beginning and all these things but we were We were in a decline with your dad. You know, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but it was just really hard to get with the vibe of, you know, what we were seeing everyone going through because we were in this vibe of, you know, saying goodbye and and end of life.
0: And for me, it was especially hard because, you know, like most people, even ourselves, we're just like, The new year is coming up. Let's just set new goals, new intentions. And I'm like, how am I going to process this feeling that I have never experienced before? Yes, I did experience it with my grandpa. But now it's like to another level. My dad was only 73 years old. And you have all these questions about life. About like, like life in itself in its entirety. Well, but from my perspective, it's just like, wow, it's just like, how can we take it on? Uh, how can I actually like um take this moment and live it to the fullest? I knew like for somehow I, ca- I cannot really explain it. But during New Year's, like when I took care of my dad for like a, a two or three nights. I just saw him like deteriorating really fast. And um, taking care of a, of a sick person is actually is, is way to another level. Like when you have a newborn, you don't sleep at night because they keep waking up. But now, in, an adult that is sick, it's, it's just it's something else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because uh, one of the nights, I, I I didn't sleep at all because every 10 minutes, my dad was like, hijo, come on, like, pick me up, pick me up, help me, help me stand up. And every 10 minutes, but I knew that he wanted to stand up because I knew my dad, my dad was like super impatient, super impatient. He did, he lacked the patience to be in one room, to be in one place. Yeah. He, he was just
1: always moving, always doing something. He was something.
0: always moving, always. And, and I with. was like, wow. I was just like helping him pick him up and all that. But throughout the night, and I remember that uh, one moment, I was just got so frustrated. And I'm like, dad, come on. I cannot be picking you up and putting you down every like 10 minutes. Because, and it, because I was thinking about myself and how tired I was. And I grabbed him really, really hard with a lot of uh, pressure. And I'm like, Dad, come on. And I, I think I, I, I squeeze him like way too hard, and actually, like, um, I don't know what he was feeling, what he was thinking at that moment. I, I knew, uh, like, somehow I hurt him, but somehow he also realized, like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What, I, um, what am I also doing to my family, to my, to my sons? And. Uh, I got really frustrated, but eventually I was like, oh my God. I even ap- apologized to my dad. I'm sorry, dad, but he said, it's almost 7 in the morning. I cannot do this anymore. And then I was thinking to myself, if I cannot do this anymore, like after two, only two days, like imagine my mom, my mom who has to be there 24-7, 24-7. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this is, yeah, this is just difficult. and um but all moments regardless of the situation regardless of the difficulty if you're open to it you get to realize a lot of stuff it's just like i didn't realize that that all these 11 months i don't know if my my brothers realized it or not we were just processing all these feelings all these emotions like helping my dad and helping our mom It was, like, in a way, like, um, I'm pretty sure my brothers, whenever they were taking care of him, they they were processing a lot of their feelings and emotions that they had with my dad. Mm
1: -hmm. At least, you know, you were.
0: At least I knew I were. But something Mm -hmm. tells me that they were, too.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, like, the beginning of the year was hard. Mm-hmm. and uh, you turn on the TV, people celebrate and everything. It's fine. It's cool because everybody is living their life.
1: They're in a different season <laughs> and <are> a different <laughs> of season, their different experience. Yeah.
0: And, 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 yeah. and as a person, I'm not expecting to be no. sad or anything. No, 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 no. no, no, no. Everybody's doing it. Yeah. And, and now for me, it's just like coming to this cycle, this realization. I remember when we came back to Glendale, I'm like, and I told my sister, I don't think I'm going to see my dad alive anymore. Next time that I see him, he's, it's not, going, he's not going to be alive anymore. Mm-hmm. I just get this feeling. But I told her I, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh, when I left, I am actually, like, um, say goodbye to my dad.
1: Yeah, and we took the kids, and we also had them.
0: And I the saw dad. my brother, Rafael, that went to Mexico. He also, like, I, I saw his face. It's like he also said goodbye in one way or another. Uh, because you know when a person is sick, like as my dad was, you never know what the next day is going to be like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, yeah, and uh, I say goodbye to my dad, and and then the the rest, the rest is just like it's just memory. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was such a surreal experience. It was like. Um you know how sometimes they say, like, you never know what other people are are going through, right? And it, it felt very much like that. Like, everybody, most of the world, right, is going through this, like, oh, my God, New Year. Or at least what what we're seeing, right? Everyone's going through this, like, happy, happy New Year, happy New Year. But I think for, for us, for the family, it was just like, yeah, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Because we knew we were at the same time you know you're you're we were so aware of 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 what was happening and so you know plugged into the experience of the moment um of really just cherishing and and being fully present to everything that was happening and unfolding and um yeah
0: And, you know like all these like life uh, situations obstacles if you want to call them yeah however you want to like re- refer to them
1: life moments
0: life mm-hmm. moments is just like if we're open to it we can uh we can actually grow a lot mm-hmm. because at the end of the day when I uh, I remember at the point when I asked myself is like There's a lot of people, like millions, billions of people that have lost their parents already. Mm -hmm. And they already know what it's like. And people can move on. We can all move on. Because that's the cycle of life. Yeah. That's the cycle of life. As soon as we are born, the only certainty is that we're going to die. Mm -hmm. And the same way we came, we came by ourselves, all alone. We're gonna go all alone. Mm-hmm. That's the only certainty about this life. So, oh my god, it's just, it's, it's been a, yeah, it's been like a, like a, like another wake up transition moment for for me.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, and even when it, it has affected my whole life. I b- but I believe life for, uh, for the better.
1: Yeah. Well, and then you took up the responsibility of writing the eulogy for oh, your dad.
0: Oh, my God. Writing the eulogy. Uh.
1: Of writing and delivering the eulogy. Um, you took up that responsibility, which is so not everyone I, is, you know. But I took it because my, my,
0: my uh, older brother. Juan Carlos, like, he didn't want to take it. He mm-hmm. didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And then it was, like, passed on to Alejandro?
1: I think so. I think he was also asked, your second your second oldest My brother. sister
0: was in charge of the um, doing, uh, like, taking care of most of the stuff. So I think my brother Alejandro said no. And then uh, I don't know who else my, my sister asked. Like, mm-hmm. She might have asked you.
1: Mm-hmm. Did she? She asked me if I would read it, which I was like, well, yeah, I'll read it. You know, if you guys want me to, um, but I really think you know you should ask everyone. And I and I even I, I remember telling her like I think Paulo will do it. You know, she hadn't asked you yet, um, and and then and then she asked you.
0: Yeah, she asked me. Uh, I didn't without hesitation. I said yes. Mm-hmm. I I just felt that somehow I needed to deliver that message. Mm-hmm. You you were the one. I was the one, yeah, not to take prayer or anything, but come on, like, I'm, I'm not afraid of talking in front people. Mm-hmm. I'm, i might get nervous, yes, like most people. <laughs> yeah. But I come on, I'm a high school teacher. I'm, I'm used to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, when uh, my sister asked me, like, I, I said right away, yes, I'll do it. I'll do it. But at the beginning, it was like, oh, yeah, we need to all pitching to do the eulogy, but, in my it, egotistic to say, but I was like, "Oh my God, to do a geology, I don't it has to be only one person
1: right." And I was you know, to be honest, I knew you could deliver, but I was starting to get nervous when I noticed that you hadn't started it no. <laughs> was like uh i think this might take a while
0: i hadn't started it i started i started that writing the eulogy because i i knew i was waiting for the right moment i was having a lot of dreams Mm -hmm. lots of lots of dreams because i'm like how can i just tell my dad's story including like the family's perspective like in 20 minutes.
1: Right. Because we, we you ultimately did do some research.
0: Yes, I did some research. Uh, I heard like Barack Obama. Uh, uh, Deliver a eulogy. The, yeah, delivering the eulogy for... Um, was it McCain? Yeah, John yeah. McCain.
1: Because personally, I had never been to a funeral no, yeah. where someone delivers a eulogy. Exactly. I've never been
0: to one. Like, yeah. We Latinos, so I, we don't tend to do that.
1: Right. Right. And I was like, oh... Like I, I don't even know, wh- you know. For me, it's always about like, well, how do you start? Because to me, sometimes it's just like the first sentence, like the yeah. leading into it. I'm like, oh my god. My I first, is, oh, yeah. My first
0: <laughs> experience was like uh, when our secretary or high school secretary passed away. Uh-huh. Yeah, people were like saying saying words, um, based on their experience and their relationship with um uh, uh, mm-hmm. with Roberta, that yeah. was her name, and I was like, I, I was, I was touched. Yeah. But the, the great things that people needed to say and the real and honest things they needed to say about the people, mm-hmm. about the person. Right. And uh, like uh, like we all know we're all imperfect. Mm-hmm. And in Julie, you need to include a little bit of both.
1: Yeah. So I was getting pretty nervous about you because I think – so it came down to I, – oh, I even remember Friday, right? So you're the – um. Everything was gonna get started, the rosary was gonna get started Sunday night. And it was Friday night. I got home and I was in charge of the slideshow for yeah. everything. So I was like, I had kind of, I was back at work, so I was putting off working on it until Friday, which also, you know, gave people time to send me photos and all this stuff. So I was like Friday night working on the slideshow. And I remember telling you, like, are you gonna work on your eulogy? Are you gonna start it yet? And you're just like, nah. I'll start tomorrow.
0: Yeah, but I was like having dreams. Mm-hmm. Dreams. I was like, Dad, inspire me. <laughs> <laughs> Help me out. Help me out. Like, uh, yeah. And I knew I needed to wait for the last day before we actually took off to Lindsay.
1: So literally, this man wakes up, I want to say about 7 a.m. on yeah, Saturday. It was a
0: little bit before 7.
1: I just, I was still in bed and I just remember you sitting up yeah, and starting to I talk. Yeah, because I had a
0: dream. I have like one of those dreams. I'm like. Pablo, just wake up and start writing this. Yeah. And it was a little bit before 7. I started, like, tapping on, right, around 7. Yeah, and you were just... I just went downstairs, grabbed my computer, and we just like, fire right, yeah. fire right, whatever it comes. To- <laughs> Non-stop. It's just like, who cares what com- was coming to, uh, yeah. to mine. I and was just, just writing, t- writing, writing, writing. No breakfast, only coffee. Mm-hmm. You brought me a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And I didn't stop like from 7 to all the way to like 3, 3,
1: 3.30. Yeah. I ended up leaving you. Yeah. You didn't even have breakfast. I, I And I was like, oh, I need to go get Paolo. Like, I think I needed to get you pants. Yeah. Yeah. A pants and a tie and palitos some stuff. And I was like, I'm going to go. So I left to go get those things, came back, picked up lunch Came back and then yeah, like around three thirty you finally stopped.
0: I finally stopped and I'm like I have a lot. Please just like help me like edit this. No, then you read it to me. No, I was I, like, Are yeah. you
1: read it to me right? So then I'm in bed, <laughs> I'm but eating I'm like, my Chipotle. <laughs> I'm
0: I'm yeah, for the listeners, if I'm writing this eulogy, I'm like I'm crying.
1: Well when you read it the first time to me.
0: I'm crying and then I'm like I think this is it. Mm-hmm. This, I cannot write anymore because it, then it's going to be too long and I, I need to condense condense this. Mm-hmm. Then you get here with uh, Chipotle <laughs> and I'm like, I'm done. And I'm like, and you that's when you told me, please read it to me.
1: Yeah, I was like, read it to me because it's always better to, you know, get a sense. And then I was like, in this way, I can time you because we also didn't want to go past 20 minutes. No, I
0: didn't want to go past 20 minutes.
1: So I was also like, okay, I'll time you, you read
0: but yeah because as a teacher i know the um adults we have like a, an attention span of ten minutes
1: so you read it and i was crying you were crying it was a cry fest
0: yeah really i was good. uh that day i cried like at least like three times just like mm. nonstop.
1: and then um and then and then yeah and then you walked away from it and i edited a little for you
0: and I'm like, no, thank that you for that. That was the your copy editor. Thank you for the that, because obviously when uh, when, when something like this, of this magnitude uh, happens, it's just like, there's a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings mm-hmm. that come into your uh, writing. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and some things are meant to uh, be individual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be personal. And uh, no, thank you for that editing. It makes it make a, di- a huge difference.
1: I think what was just so amazing about the eulogy, which, by the way, will be shared at the end of our podcast episode, we're sharing uh, with you the eulogy. It is in Spanish. So if you don't know Spanish, you may just want to stop at the end of the episode. But for those that want to listen on and do know Spanish, um, we're going to add the the eulogy at the end. But um, what I will say is I... What I loved so much about your eulogy was that it really just reminded me or opened my eyes to see your dad and for all of his amazingness and you know, just what a life he led. He was just not afraid to
0: go for it. He wasn't afraid.
1: It's just like, wow, you he just not stopping not afraid even failure failure was not a stop it wasn't a thing for him it it was like okay i felt next on to the next on to the next thing yeah just bien luchador bien
0: i felt like planting arvanzos was next yeah borregos was next felt next
1: he was never phased by failure no that's what i want to say
0: yeah
1: not phased never like Oh, I failed at this, so I'm going to be afraid and not try yeah, again.
0: not trying again. I'm going to have like no. this. No.
1: Not phased at all by fear.
0: No, he never had the chills. So like, oh, I'm, a- I'm afraid of starting this new thing. No, never experienced that.
1: Yeah. You know, just really. I remember uh, Laura was saying, like, she just felt so proud that he was her father.
0: Yeah. And uh, obviously, as his son, I, I wouldn't take anything back.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the things could have been better, but in a way, they are the way they're supposed to be. Right. Yes. As an adult, as a person of almost four years of age, I have come to understand that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm actually, I feel really proud and fortunate on myself that I'm at this stage of my life. Mm-hmm. And that uh, even the passing of my dad is allowing me to see things at another level with the pain and everything that entails. I am like, thank you, dad. You just, uh, have made me realize things that I haven't realized. And I think that a lot of people realize this as, uh, after the passing of a significant other.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the perfect place to end this episode um stay tuned stay tuned to listen to the eulogy that oh and and one
0: thing that i wanted to say is i i I just couldn't record i couldn't recall until like how dream we made that i couldn't and it didn't happen right away it just Mm -hmm. happened on like a few days ago yeah and um I saw my dad in the uh, I already told you the story but
1: Oh, you're saying that you could we couldn't you couldn't
0: record an episode. I, I couldn't record an episode.
1: We couldn't get back on the mics.
0: Yeah, I couldn't we yeah, we couldn't yeah, I couldn't be here in front of this microphone. Because mm-hmm. I was like I'm like waiting to just dream with my dad. Did and you
1: feel like dreaming with him?
0: It just like I don't know what it what it was but like in a way sending me free. Mm -hmm. setting me free like to say like you do what you feel you need to do Mm -hmm. just do it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and I had to dream with it just happened in an instant he was in the in the the, uh, dining table
1: Mm -hmm. at your parents home
0: at my parents home and I and yes you told me look Chris, in the back of you and I'm like I turn around and there's my dad, just sitting there, like his normal self mm-hmm. before he got sick. And I'm like, I wasn't like in shock. I'm like, dad, aren't you supposed to be dead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> just thinking to myself, I didn't mm-hmm. actually say it. Mm-hmm. But I just like went ahead and just gave him a huge hug and a huge kiss. And he told me, ay, mijito. And it was so real, so cool. And I knew I was dreaming and I didn't want to wake up, but I woke up. <laughs> hmm And I was like, "Yeah, thank you." You just like now I'm ready. I'm ready to do what's what's next. Whatever is coming. Kind of like to
1: close that to close that chapter. Yeah, it
0: was a huge kiss and a huge hug, and it was it felt so good.
1: So, do you think though that it was that you were waiting for a dream with him so that you would feel like he was okay with what you wrote or what you said in the eulogy
0: it's because in a eulogy there's a sense of like um what's the word like blaming blame judging Uh uh-huh judging or parents and i didn't know if it was like the best message i could have given
1: you mean just the part where you talked about, like, that he was terco or, or stubborn or the part where you talked about him as a father that
0: he... Because I include a little bit as, as, as a father that he was. huh And obviously, obviously his stubbornness. That he spanked you guys and all this yeah. stuff. Because uh-huh. uh, I believe in the you have to be as honest as, as possible as you can mm-hmm. without going into details.
1: But, I mean, I felt like you delivered that and to be honest that was one of the pieces where we edited a lot yeah um because we wanted it to convey um that that yes he did use spanking and you know i forget the other words you used in spanish like wig with the belt (laughs) yes the belt and all these things but he did it out of love, like he did it out of, that was the best that he knew how.
0: Yeah, that was the tools that he had. Those
1: were the tools that he had, and that you wouldn't change a thing.
0: I wouldn't change a thing.
1: Right? Um, So I thought you...
0: But in ideology you always feel like you're judging.
1: Right, so you had that in
0: your heart. I have that in my heart. Like, does my dad know? uh, Does my dad know that this, what I'm saying, Uh is not out of judgment. It's out of love, out of evolution for myself. Right. I need to heal. Yeah. I need to heal that and move on because mm-hmm. I don't want to pass on that that hurt mm-hmm. to the next generation, mm-hmm. which are my children. Right. Yes.
1: And so having him come to you in this dream and hug you and having this interaction you just really felt like, "Oh my gosh."
0: I'm like, "He's giving like you're fine."
1: The nod. You and me are okay.
0: Yeah. We're all fine. We're all okay. Mm-hmm. I'm on. okay You're continue okay. go go for it yeah go for it <laughs> mm-hmm. yes beautiful
1: so that's it guys with that here is the eulogy for Mr. Juan Menchaca as delivered by
0: Paulo gracias hasta la próxima querida madre hermana hermanos familia amigos y amistades Aquí estamos presentes para celebrar la vida de nuestro padre, de nuestro muy querido padre. Estamos reunidos para decirle gracias esposo por tu compañía por más de 50 años de casados. Gracias padre por tu existencia de un poco más de 73 años. Gracias hermano por todos los bonitos recuerdos que creaste con nosotros. Gracias amigo por tu amistad única. Gracias don Juan por vivir una vida digna, llena de esperanza y de inspiración. Cuando las personas queridas parten de este mundo, queda un gran hueco en cada uno de nuestros corazones. Un hueco que nos causa angustia, dolor, tristeza, inconformidad y soledad. No hay palabras para poder expresar la combinación de emociones que uno siente. Pero es en estos momentos donde la fe y nuestras creencias personales deben de ser acogidas. La fe debe de ser utilizada para darnos el uno al otro el ánimo que tanto anhelamos en estos momentos para aceptar que nuestro ser querido ha sido llamado por Dios porque su existencia, su propósito, su misión, su recorrido por este mundo, cualquiera que haya sido, ha terminado. Y hablando de existencia, ¿qué existencia vivió nuestro Padre? En mi vida, nunca he conocido a una persona tan luchadora como lo fue nuestro Padre. Viene de inmigrante a los Estados Unidos, gana un poco de dinero y comienza a realizar sus sueños. Por muchas décadas, nuestro padre venía y seguía por jornadas entre México y California. En una avenida a México, decidí conquistar a mi mamá. Se casan y empiezan a formar su familia. Somos siete de familia porque mis papás no dejaron de tener hijos hasta que llegó la niña. Mi padre seguía inmigrando entre México y California. Hasta que nuestro padre decide no volver a California porque se va a dedicar completamente a sus negocios en México. Se involucra hasta en la política. Llegó a ser tesorero municipal durante el término de mi tío Vera y finalmente, por cosas del destino, fracasa. Y queda en la bancarrota. ¿Y qué hace? Como el gran luchador que fue, toma a su esposa e hijos y se los trae todos al Lindsay, California, al lugar donde reside nuestro abuelo. Papá José, que en paz descanse Y varios familiares Comenzar de cero no fue nada fácil Y mucho menos cuando no tienes nada Y le debes un montón de dinero al banco. Se necesita tener muchas agallas Para que una persona pueda mantenerse firme Y con una compostura llena de fe Y optimismo para seguir adelante Y esta compostura la tenía nuestro padre Una de las más grandes cualidades Que tenía él Es que no le tenía miedo al trabajo de primera parecía el diablito de Tasmania cuando estaba pescando chairs duraznos y olivos era una fascinación y desesperación trabajar junto a él fascinación porque era un trabajador muy rápido y no querías quedar atrás su rapidez talentaba echarle ganas y se sentía desesperación porque si querías, si querías competir con él te exponías a hacer errores por tratar de ser tan rápido como él al de cuentas era en mal competir con él. Para mí, personalmente, mi papá me hacía sentir más lento. Sí, más lento de lo que yo ya era. Porque simplemente yo sabía que nunca iba a poder ganar. Sí, mi papá era rápido, pero eso también a veces le costaba. Hubo algunas veces que nuestro padre se cayó de la estrella. En unas ocasiones, nomás se escuchaba el ruido de las ramas de los árboles. O en otras, yo más escuchaba el ¡Ugh! cuando mi papá soltaba el suelo. Sin embargo, mi papá se reponía rápido, se sacudía el polvo y ya cuando menos uno acordaba, ya estaba el monigote trepando en la escalera trabajando. Aún con estos tropiezos del trabajo, a nuestro padre nunca le gustó trabajar por horas. A él le gustaba trabajar por contrato, paga basada a tu esfuerzo y rapidez. Las experiencias del campo fueron muchísimas. Aunque el trabajo del campo es muy difícil, fue aquí, trabajando con nuestro padre en el campo, que realmente lo llegamos a conocer. En especial en las cervezas, las chaves, como las llamábamos. Todavía lo recuerdo lo temprano que nos teníamos que levantar. Si Si nosotros nos levantamos temprano, nuestros padres se tenían que levantar mucho más temprano. En realidad no recuerdo a mi papá meterse a la cocina a cocinar algo en México. Pero aquí, trabajando en el campo, era otra realidad. Mi papá junto a nuestros madre se levantaban muy temprano para preparar el almuerzo el lonche del día. Junto con el ruido del viento, del gas de la estufa portátil, se escuchaba a mi papá y mamá conversar mientras preparaban el almuerzo dentro de una tarpa en el parque de Hemingway en el estado de Washington. Nunca faltaban los deliciosos burritos de carne con chile del pato, papas sin frijoles con las tortillas de harina. Y en cuanto se escuchaba que mi papá encendía el van, el carro que teníamos, esa era la señal de que ya estaba a punto de terminar el almuerzo y la partida de trabajo era inminente. ¿Cómo se sufre para levantarse temprano? No les miento, había días que nos levantábamos tan temprano y llegábamos a las puertas de Cherry's y no se veía nada, mucho menos el montón de agüitas rojas en los árboles. No había de otra. Le teníamos que echar ganas aunque nos quejáramos. Recuerdo a mi papá decir, Y no le tengan miedo a la escalera, mientras yo estaba arriba de ella sujetándome fuertemente de las ramas, temblando de miedo. En las corridas de la Cherkis de su padre, uno más nos enseñó a no tener el miedo al trabajo, sino que también a defender nuestra dignidad como seres humanos. Recuerdo dos ocasiones cuando tuvimos que hacer buena Una fue con el Mike en las Nomas en Wanashi, Washington. El dueño quería que pisáramos Cherkis por horas y no por contrato, porque la cosecha estaba muy mala pero las cajas que pescábamos por hora salían a más dinero por lo que estábamos ganando por hora. Dec- decidimos hacer una mini huelga. Muchos de nosotros fuimos parte de ella. Yo soy familia, mi papá José, mi padrino Pepe, y no sé si le puedo hasta mi tiento. Y otros a más. Ganamos la huelga y se comenzó a pescar por contrato con un precio más justo por caja. En otra ocasión, qué recuerdo su en Mosesley, también en el estado de Washington. En esta ocasión, las cherries se pescaban por libra Y nos querían pagar la libra muy baja. Así que mi papá, la familia y otros trabajadores te asigüaban por mucho Dejamos de pescar hasta que subieran el precio por libra. Y así sucedió. Los dueños aumentaron el precio por libra. En simples palabras, mi papá siempre estuvo al frente defendiendo lo que era justo. Era un gran líder. Él siempre echaba ganas al trabajo y a la vez defendía y enseñaba la importancia de proteger la propia dignidad. Al igual que lo fue de pescador, también lo fue siendo el mayordomo para algunos dueños. Hacía las puertas de los viejitos, el barbón, el Solhausen, las víboras y hasta la escondida. Una huerta localizada arriba de las montañas junto a la sierra. Nunca se me olvidaba nuestro padre aprendiendo a montar una motocicleta. ¿Y dónde está el mayordomo? La gente se preguntaba. La gente se preguntaba en las puertas de las víboras, ¿está mayordomo? Y de repente sale mi papá montando la moto desde los almacenes, sin saber siquiera cómo frenar la moto. Y toda la gente trataba de alcanzarlo detrás de él con sus escaleras. Nunca olvidaré la cama que usábamos para bañarnos y del problema de los champusitos y los, los champuzotes que teníamos. Nunca olvidaré a los pájaros que nos perseguían por tratar de agarrar sus pajaritos y los conectaban hasta nuestra secarpa. Nunca olvidaré a mi padre buscando su moto que perdía cada rato. Sí, perdía la moto, Nunca olvidaré a mi papá que se enorgüecía al mirar el número de cajas que visitábamos todos los días, día tras día. Nunca olvidaré las escapadas de los fines de semana al buffet del Kentucky Fried Chicken, junto con nuestro buen pachete. Hay muchísimos recuerdos y anécdotas inolvidables que se tomarían mucho tiempo en contacto. Esos son solo, solamente algunos de los recuerdos que me vienen en mente en estos momentos. Pero continuando comunicando a nuestro padre, Nuestro padre fue bastante terco, la persona más cerca que he conocido en mi vida. Si tuviera que darle un nivel de terquedad del 1 al 10, le daría un 11. Mi hermana Laura le daría un 20. Nunca olvidaré que en el camino del estado de Washington hasta California, no quiso parar a comer a un restaurante. En vez, mi papá no quería, eh, <coughs> esa vez mi papá no quería parar hasta que llegáramos a Reno, Nevada. Como se imaginan, del estado de Washington, Nevada, hay mucho trecho. Nos estábamos riendo de hambre por el camino, y mi papá quiso saciar su hambre y le pidió a mi mamá que le pasara un pastelito,
1: un home run, para ser
0: exacto. Mi papá iba manejando y era de noche. Mi mamá extendió su mano y sacó un pastelito de la noche que llevábamos dentro de la mesa y se lo dio. Mi papá lo abrió y le dio una mordida descaradora. Aquel pastelito que se le ha disfrutado por penadas no pasó de la primera mordida, porque el supuesto pastelito no era un pastelito. Era nuestro pago para lavar trastes y iba de la noche. Las risotadas de mi mamá no se hicieron esperar. Luego nos dimos cuenta y todos nos relojábamos de la risa. Sí, así era nuestro padre de terco. Una vez que tenía algo en mente, nadie lo podía cambiar de opinión. Nuestro padre no fue un padre perfecto. ¿Qué es la perfección? Todos los seres humanos somos perfectamente imperfectos. Especialmente como padres, todos estamos haciendo lo mejor que podemos. Nuestro padre fue estricto en nuestra fianza. Sí, nos llevó a dar nuestras buenas rancadas, sin y cuartadas. Nuestro padre estaba remitiendo el miedo que sentía al pensar que fuéramos a crecer como personas en buenos modales y sin una educación. Nuestro padre hizo lo mejor que pudo en nuestra crianza con las herramientas emocionales que tenía a su disposición. Y al mirar ahora a nuestra familia, sé que lo su a someter. Cuando uno es un niño, a veces uno desea que las cosas fueran diferentes porque no podemos entender a nuestros padres. Pero hoy como adulto, entiendo a mi padre y sé que no cambiaría nada de mi crianza. Eso es recuerdo hoy en día ya son parte de mi evolución personal y ahora son historias que les cuento a mis hijos cuando los quiero hacer reír me acuerdo de de, de una vez que desobedecí a mi padre y me iba a nadie y le dije, papá, vente hasta 10 en vez de la que le dio risa y me salió o de la vez que me puso una buena corretiza por no querer llevarle la carretilla a mi papá José yo les explicaba a mi papá que no me mandara a mí diciéndome, imagínese la vergüenza de llegar a la casa de mi papá José y decirle, papá José, aquí le traigo la garantía. <risa> Después me persiguió corriendo hasta el potrero y me hice como que me Y estaba, me hago, me hago. Una vez que me alcanzó, en vez de marearme, me cagó sobre sus hombros y me llevó hasta la casa. Mi padre hizo lo que pudo. Y tengo la gran fortuna de poder contar estas anécdotas. Papá, le pido perdón si en algún momento lo ofendí faltando a respeto. De todo corazón, le quiero decir gracias por haberme venido hasta este punto de mi vida. Aparte de no tener el miedo al trabajo, nuestro padre nos enseñó a el amor al deporte, en especial por el fútbol. Desde una tempr- temprana edad, acompañamos a nuestro padre los partidos de fútbol del equipo del rancho. Él era el embajador. Las broncas en las que los jugadores se metían y las peleas que soquean resaltan como recuerdos inolvidables. Aún así, con broncas y peleas, nunca me sentí seguro andando con mi mamá. Las aventuras en el fútbol serán inolvidables. No conozco muchas personas que a un partido de fútbol y que empiecen a discutir con el árbitro en frente de la dirección. Nuestro padre hace eso. No conozco muchas personas que se pongan tan apasionadas mirando unos atletas corriendo detrás de un balón como en nuestra familia. Pregúntenle a mi hermano Alejandro y a mi hermano Juan Carlos. Mi hermano Alejandro, que de un, que de un golpe hizo un hoyo en la pared de la sala de la casa de nuestros padres, ¿por qué el árbitro se equivocó en contra de su equipo de los padres? O mi hermano Juan Carlos, que mi papá lo tenía entre sus piedras, su equipo anotó un gol y por allá va a dar mi hermano. Al igual que nuestro padre nos, ense- nos enseñó el amor por el deporte, también nos enseñó el amor por la balada. Toda la familia Menchaca sabe cómo sabe cómo jugar cartas. El unirse a jugar baraja para la familia Menchaca es toda una tradición. Es el juego de paco con Kián, Texas Hold'em y póker es más que un juego, es una herencia. En el momento que uno se reúne con la familia para jugar cartas es un momento único donde implícitamente le damos honor a nuestros seres queridos que no están presentes y a aquellos que se han ido de este mundo como en el caso de mi perrito José. Como los seres queridos que viven lejos, ya sea porque están en México como en otros estados de los Estados Unidos. El seguir manteniendo esa tradición sana ya se encuentra en nuestras manos para las siguientes generaciones. En los futuros juegos de cartas, te extrañaremos, papá, ya que vivimos muchísimos momentos en familia alrededor de una mesa jugando cartas. Si podía decir que las cartas, se pudiera decir que las cartas nos llevan al piso, pero no existe un mejor equipo a seguir que el suyo, papá fumaste cigarros por más de 20 años y de la noche a la mañana lo dejaste sin nunca más caer en la tentación. Es simplemente impresionante la fuerza de decisión que tuviste para poder dejar ese vicio. Y papá, no nomás dejaste ese vicio de fumar, sino que también dejaste la tomada. Y al igual, de la noche a la mañana, tus copitas, o a veces unas copotas, de whisky y de brandy, las dejaste de consumir. Tú pudiste pudiste decir, ya no más, porque una cosa es decir, voy a dejar de tomar, y otra cosa es simplemente hacerlo. No muchos de nosotros tenemos esa fuerza de voluntad, usted lo hizo, y personalmente creo que lo lo logró gracias a su péndicos. Otra de sus grandes cualidades, papá, fue la de su fe. Mientras usted hacía deshacía, renegaba y gritaba, usted nunca renunció a Dios en su corazón, al contrario, lo mantuvo más cerca. Esta fe lo llevó a visitar la Tierra Santa, Jerusalén, la Virgen de en Portugal y otros lugares. Y fue esa misma fe y a la vez en la ciudad lo que lo no llevó a encontrar la fonda. Nuestros padres se a la venta de esta tienda de productos mexicanos a través de un matrimonio que conocieron en la iglesia. Cuando nuestros padres se dan cuenta de que este negocio se en se lanzan a verlo y al instante mi papá decide que lo va a comprar. ¿Quién hace ese tipo de decisiones sin tener dinero? Sin tener conocimiento de cómo funciona el negocio, sabiendo solamente un poco de inglés. Pues, ¿quién más? Juan me Una vez que mi papá conoció al dueño de la joda, para acabarla, también se llamaba Juan. Hay para coincidencias. Gracias a la confianza familiar que mi papá pudo crear en la familia, nuestros cuatro hermanos mayores tomaron el riesgo. Y con apuros y todo, Cada uno pudo contar la parte que les tocaba para darle el gancho de la fonda. La fonda, como todo negocio en un principio, se pasó por momentos muy difíciles. Recuerdo el verano en el que la cual yo y mi mamá nos quedamos a cargo de la fonda, mientras el resto de la familia se fue a la corrida de las Chevys al estado de Washington. Nunca voy a olvidar el día que nada más vendimos una toca en todo el Recuerdo vívidamente los viajes hacia los embates de Lanaga para venderles comida a los trabajadores. Recuerdo cuando se nos presentó el Departamento de Sanubridad del Condado de, de Tulare y ya no nos dejó vender más comida en los embates. En fin, ese verano estuvo lleno de grandes hazañas. Para el final del verano recuerdo que estaba súper contentísimo porque habíamos to- podido pagar todas las facturas o los miles de la Fonda Tiempo. Cuando, yo, cuando llegó mi papá y mis hermanos a las cherries, les di las nuevas de que habíamos ganado lo suficiente para cubrir todos los gastos de la fonda. Y siendo yo joven sin experiencia, me había olvidado por completo de pagar todas las facturas de la casa. <risa> <risa> Recuerdo que mi papá nomás se rascaba rastra- la cabeza con el montón de bilis en la mano. ¡Ay, hijo! ¡Ay, oh! Pero mi padre... Nunca perdió la fe en que la funda se grande Y gracias a Dios, así fue. Y esta gran fe es la que lo ayudó en este último año, cuando todos fuimos testigos de su gran fe y devoción. En vez de quejarse y lamentarse por su condición, usted actuó de forma positiva y reflexiva. Un hombre se sabe de qué está hecho cuando está en el suelo. Y usted con muchísima determinación mostró de lo que estaba hecho. Dio una gran fe en Dios. Y gracias a esa gran fe, nuestros padres duraron más de 50 años de casados. Gracias, papá, por haber amado a nuestra madre, a nuestra mamá, a tu manera. Por haber sido su compañero incondicional. Por haber sido su testigo por casi toda su vida. Gracias a ese amor y apoyo, estamos aquí todos tus hijos e hijas presentes. Para concluir, nuestro papá hizo todo lo que hizo por amor a sus hijos. Te queremos dar las gracias por habernos dotado con grandes cualidades, por enseñarnos a no tener miedo al trabajo, por enseñarnos a luchar con la salida adelante, por enseñarnos a defender nuestra dignidad, por habernos inculcado el amor por el deporte, en especial el fútbol, por habernos heredado el juego de la marada la cual nos une y nos hace disfrutar grandes momentos en familia. Gracias por mostrarnos cómo se debe tener palabra y cómo Uno nunca debe de regular en la búsqueda de los sueños. Usted logró el sueño americano, algo que muchos anhelamos. Lo logró porque a través de su vida usted no nomás tenía un sueño, tenía una meta. Y al tener una meta, usted se comprometió a tomar riesgos, aun cuando el fracaso era inminente. Logró saldar sus deudas, con la unión familiar que usted cultivó pudo hacer que el proyecto de la Fonda se hiciera una realidad. Y es ahora, y ahora es parte, y será parte de su legado. Gracias por nunca darse por vencido. Gracias por enseñarnos a respetarnos entre hermanos y familiares. Gracias por haber inculcado el respeto a lo Gracias por la vida que nos dio. Gracias por su apoyo. Gracias por su fe. Gracias por todo su amor. Esperemos y sigamos su ejemplo. Gracias a todos los que estamos aquí reunidos y por escuchar estas palabras. Hasta pronto, mi capitán. Con mucho amor, te dice adiós mi hijo Pablo y toda la, la familia. Hi podcast please share it with your friends and family you can also subscribe
1: to the podcast on itunes and please leave a review it is a super super important in order to help spread
0: the message you can follow us our parents on instagram at iam.etenia
1: You can also subscribe to their newsletter on their website at somos-fathers.com. Gracias!